The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There's a lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea. When I'm tossed, it sends out a light that I might see. And the light that shines in darkness now will safely lead us all if it wasn't for the light. Take your Bibles to the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Uh, Brother Adams is... Uh, I'm kind of discipling Brother Adams, and he feels called to God's hand upon him. Uh, and so, uh, Adam Caps, and so he's been doing some things I've asked him to do, been reading books I've wanted him to read. Remember, now he's memorizing about 175 uh, basic Bible doctrine verses. And to, tonight he's going he's gonna to start uh, quoting them before you. It's important that he quote them before you because I want him to be able to know them well enough that even under the pressure of looking at you, he can still quote them. Amen? It's important that he get that. And so uh, the pressure and, this, and the pain of it all is all part of the process. And, and you know Brother Adam is such a shy soul. <laughs> and he's going to come up here. But I've been encouraged by my brother and his faithfulness at doing what I've asked him to do, reading the books he's asked, asked him to read. Of course, he's the one that benefits. And um, he's now put his hand to the plow and learned those verses. So have a couple of those verses down ready tonight, if you would. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, help us this morning. May the word of God go forth. May it do its work as it always does, for it never returns void. In Jesus' name, amen. How important is the grace of God? Books have been written about the grace of God that are six, seven, eight hundred pages. It's amazing. I thank the Lord over and over again that the Holy Spirit was not as prolific as Matthew Henry. Amen. I mean, some of them old commentators could take a verse and write a hundred pages of small print, no space. And I just, I just thank the Lord that He said it in a much more concise manner. That somebody like me could read it and could say, "Okay, you know, I can, this is doable." And brother, I remember Tom Cronin. He said, "I'm going to read Matthew Henry," and I thought, "Oh, that's a feat." Well, he's saying. He started on Matthew Henry. He came to me not long after that and said, whoa, that boy goes into detail on some stuff. It's pretty hard, to, pretty hard to believe even that they can come up with that many words on one subject. The grace of God has been, been written about probably since the first century all the way to now. People can't get over it. I'm not, I can't get over it. I'm a, I stand amazed today that I've been a recipient, that I've been allowed to see and understand and assimilate and appreciate appropriate the grace of God. 
Well, wow, how important is there? Even Jesus had the grace of God upon him, even though he was God. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And child grew and waxed strong in the spirit and was filled with wisdom. The Bible says the grace of God was upon him. That's what I want. Say what you want about me, but I want you to say the grace of God is upon Brother Bill. That's what I want. That's my, that's my prayer. That's my longing. That's my heart. That the grace of God be upon my life. And it has been in many ways. What is the grace of God? A lot of people have said a lot of different things, but let me give you some definitions I've heard. The desire and power to do God's will is the way one man defined it. Some have said it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Others have said it's un, the unmerited favor of God. Uh, I think of the uh, A.W. Tozer, by the way, I highly recommend read anything that man's written. He says, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits upon the undeserving. It is a self-existent principle inherent, inherent in the divine nature and appears to us as a self-caused propensity to pity the wretched, to spare the guilty, to welcome the outcast, to bring into favor those who were before under just disappropriation. Well, I love that. It's used it's, it's to for sinful men to save us and make us sit together in heavenly places. I'm for that. Demonstrated in the ages with the exceeding riches of God's kindness to us in Christ Jesus. End of quote. However, it may be described, and grace is described a lot of different ways, without it, no one will or can do anything for God. You must have the grace of God. Work in our own energy and our own willpower without the grace of God will come to nothing. The greatest plans and schemes that can be cooked up in the oven of your mind without the grace of God just burns to, to ashes like so many overcooked Thanksgiving turkey. Some of you women say, I remember the first Thanksgiving I spent with my daughter-in-law. She did not know me. She just knew my son. She thought I was as nice as he was. She was mistaken. And I went over to the house, and we had her, she had the first turkey, and she was, you know, wanting to impress her new father-in-law. Who wouldn't want to impress your new father-in-law? you got to go through all that thing. And so uh, you, you cooked that first turkey, you know, and she... She, and by the way, today, Andrea is a really good cook. She really is. She's not here, so I'll talk about her. So she cooks it, you know, and, and, and I told her, well, we're going to church. It was on Sunday, and she, I said, today we're going to church at Tabernacle Baptist Church, an old church, uh, Brother Harold Seidler. I got to go there. I'm not going anywhere else. We're going there. But the well, Tabernacle Baptist Church service wasn't until noon. They didn't start their morning worship service till noon. No reason for that. It was live on radio, and radio program was at noon, so he started. And now, how was you like that? Man, interesting. I've never been to church like that before. So, then he preached a little while, we were, but about, I noticed that she was upset with me a little bit when I said, we're going to Tabernacle Baptist Church. She says, it starts at noon, noon, but I got my turkey. I said, well, just turn the heat down on that thing and everything. It will be fine. We'll get back. Well, that's what she didn't know about Tabernacle Baptist Church is their average church by an hour and a half. 
So we went down. I was thrilled. I was rejoicing. I was back home, and I kept looking at her, and she kept getting a look you can't reproduce. And we make our way back. We drive our way back to their apartment, and she's quiet the whole way back. And if you know her, well, we get back at the house, and she gets in, and she brings that turkey out, and I don't have a fork up here, but I'm telling you, and that thing just disintegrated. It was, it looked beautiful, but it was a hollow shell of dry, dead material that had no liquid left in it. And it was just horrible. It was unedited. You couldn't eat the thing. And then she started crying hysterically and running in the bedroom. Welcome to Father-in-Law 101. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, the work we do will be the same way. It may look pretty, but as soon as you hit the fork to it, it'll just disintegrate to nothing because God's got to be in it. Nothing we do here at the gospel, we do. We don't want to do, I don't want to do anything without God. I don't want to do one, not one bus, not one bus without God. Not one Sunday school class without God. Not one sermon without God. Not one uh, nursing home without God. Not one anything that goes on at the gospel. We beg and we cry and we ask God to, to be here. To get, May his grace be upon it. We need his grace. Paul speaks of God's grace motivating and empowering him to labor. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he says, For by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, he wasn't blaming God for his sin. A lot of people, oh, brother, I got a whole sermon on this, but don't do it. Don't you, don't you fail and then say, well, it must have been God's will. Stop! It was your bad choices. It was your unwillingness to submit to the will of God is why you very likely failed, you know, in general speaking. Boy, I, I, get, I get, my hair goes up. I bow up when I hear people start blaming God for all this stuff. For by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Paul said, in the work of God that I have been able to accomplish in my flesh, it has not been my flesh that's done it, though I was part of, the, part of it. It was really God who helped me do it, and I give him all the credit. Have you ever felt the grace of God on you? Have you? Have you done something and seen God... Have you ever tried, you ever been nervous about witnessing to an unsaved person, but yet God's burdening you and burdening you to do it, and you go ahead and do it, and you say, I don't know what I'm going to say or how I'm going to say it, and, and you start quoting a verse, or you start quoting something or saying something, and you, it's almost like an out-of-body. You say, where did I get that? Where's that coming from? Where's that verse coming from? What? You know, it's almost like you're not there, that God's working through you. The grace of God is a beautiful thing. The grace of God. Let me talk to you about five, five must-know things about the grace of God. First of all, the grace of God, in, these are biblical things. After studying from one end to the other, here's what it is. The grace of God is available to all men. Titus 2 and our first verse, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. In that last great chapter of the Bible, that capstone of truth in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, is written for... Uh, for all to see, where it says in 22.17, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. 
Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. We are living in, a, in what theologians call the age of grace. This is the age where God's, uh, after Christ was resurrected and ascended back to the right hand of the throne of God, God opened salvation by faith, plus nothing, minus nothing, through the grace of God. He opened it up to whosoever will may come. Not one little group, not one color, not one race, but whosoever will can appropriate the grace of God, can be saved, repent, and be saved. Repent and trust Christ. Now's the time. Today's the day. I wear a t-shirt. I wear a hat that says on the back of it, are you prepared to meet God today? You can't believe how many people stop me and how many people come up to me. And anybody that wears that shirt, they'll say, man, we're for that. We're ready. We're ready. But if that many people come up to me and say that, how many are looking at it and saying, am I ready? Am I ready today? You better be ready. You may jump out there on 41, some 95-year-old. There was a 17-year-old girl going down Corkscrew Road, which I travel all the time to my house. I live 10 miles down Corkscrew in 41, and so I travel Corkscrew. And there was a 17-year-old girl with a lot of life traveling down Corkscrew one day. And some old boy was traveling in the opposite direction, dropped something on the floor, reached down. When he reached down on the floor, pulled the wheel over head on, killed her outright. 17-year-old girl, gone. I was driving down Corkscrew this way and came to the, the, the uh, corner of Ben Hill, of, uh, I don't know what the name of the street is, not Ben Hill, but another, well, anyway came to that, and there was a car there with the door open, and there was a body laying on the pavement with a blanket over it. The car wasn't hurt that bad. It was a 19-year-old girl that had a lot of life. And as they turned to go left, some guy didn't pay attention to the light, hit her door just perfect, hit her body in such a way it just killed her outright. Even though the car wasn't damaged that badly, she was laying on the pavement dead, covered by a blanket. You don't know when death is coming. There's a lot of 12-year-olds in the, in the cemeteries. There's a whole lot of 8-year-olds in the cemeteries. There's a whole lot of 30-year-olds in the cemeteries. You don't believe it, go to them like I do and start reading the, reading the dates. I know I'm morbid. But I think about death because there's only a few things in life you're not going to get away from. It's not if, I don't hear people say, well, if I die someday, I don't hear that much. And the Bible says the grace of God is, has, been, has been offered to you this morning. The power and the desire to do God's will is offered to you this morning. God's unmerited favor is offered to you this morning. God's riches at Christ's expense is offered to you this morning. Whosoever will, come. Man, what else can God do? He's not going to run in there and grab you by the collar and make you be saved. 
You've got to be part of it. The Bible says you must repent. Repent means a change of mind. I'm going this way, walking in my own way. I see Jesus. He died for me. He gave himself, resurrected. And then if I, and I turn away from my life to him, I turn, away, I turn away from my sin to my way to him. That's repentance. It's not so much of an act. It's a change of will. It's not a work. It's a change of will. And then I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he is the one. He was the Messiah. Why? Of all the people that have cried out to be a Messiah, he's the only one that's been resurrected. God put it, the, God the Father sealed Jesus with the resurrection. This is the one. David Koresh is not the Messiah, though I heard him say he was the Christ. Jim Jones is not the Messiah, though I heard him say on a tape, he was the Christ. There have been people through the ages saying, I'm the Christ. Muhammad, uh, he said he was the Christ, but he's still in the grave. All these so-called religious leaders, all these so-called uh, uh, gurus that say they're, they're God or they're Christ, they're, they, they've been proven wrong by the fact that they cannot come back. Houdini said he was going to come back. If there was any possibility he could come back, he could come back. He hasn't come back. He's not coming back. The grace of God is a gift to all men. My. My. Are you risking your eternal destiny because you won't give up some pet sin? You won't give up some favorite drink? You won't give up some petty pleasure to come to know Christ? How many people I've talked to through the years after they understood the gospel, understood what Jesus did for them, said, but if I get saved, I'm going to have to quit such and such. I never said any of that. But the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit came to them and says, repentance is a turning from your way to my way. It's an act of the will. And you know that, and the Holy Spirit, will, it's, and by the way, it's diverse in people. It's different with people. So he comes to this person, and one person he tells to be saved, you've got to be willing to give up that honky-tonk. To be saved, you've got to be willing to give up your immorality. To be saved, you've got to quit living together and get married. To be saved, you've got to quit being a homosexual. To be saved, you've got to quit being a, a transvestite. To be saved, you've got to quit murdering folks. To be saved, you know, what? that's what God does. That's the Holy Spirit. Because you're not taking your sin with you. How many give themselves up because of some drink they don't want? I don't want to get saved because you get, if you get saved, why? I'll have to quit smoking no and doing this and doing that. And I think, how, how temporal, what, how cheap you sell yourself. God's offering you eternal life, forgiveness of all your sins, a place in standing with the ancient ones. And you say, well, I, I have to cut my hair. Well, the moon never said that. Brother Chris may have. <laughs> the grace of God's free to all men. Secondly, the grace of God is free. I like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, For the, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a what? Most of you know it. Gift of God. Now, if I give you, a, not by works, lest any man should boast, verse 9. And brother, if I give you a gift, let's say I took at 357 python I own, 8-inch stainless barrel, 
And I say to you, I, brothers, I like you. I like you. I'm going to give you this 8-inch stainless Python 357. It's yours. And you say, well, thank you, Brother Bill. Uh, now you owe me 4000 bucks. You go, why? I just, that's a good reaction. Well, I, I want you to have this, but, but give me 4000 bucks for it. Folks, it's not a gift. Nobody defines a gift like that. A gift is a gift. God came, paid, Jesus came in the flesh, and he paid for our sins. He satisfied the justice of God that demanded payment for sin, and it's enough. Grace of God is a gift. Paul in Romans 1.14 says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and unwise. Why? E. Stanley Jones says this, Grace binds you with a far stronger cord than the cords of duty or obligation could ever bind you. Grace is free. But when you once take it, you are bound forever to the giver and bound to catch the spirit of the giver. Like produces like. Grace makes you gracious. And giver, the giver makes you give. It's the nature of God to give. For God so loved, he gave. And I'm a debtor to the Jews, Paul says. I'm a debtor to the Greeks. I give my life up. I give the things that I counted gain in this world, as the brother said this morning, but like dumb that I may gain Christ. What does that? An understanding of the grace of God. It'll motivate you. The grace of God is available to all men. The grace of God is a gift. Thirdly, the grace of God responded to brings more grace. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. Grace is not stagnant. Growth is a, 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 explains addition. One cell for, splits, and there's two cells. Two, four, four, eight. It goes on and, and reproduces itself. The grace of God, once you respond to the grace of God in salvation, then God takes you and gives you more grace. And when you respond to the next step, he gives you more grace. And we respond, you know how you can kill that? Stop responding to the grace of God. When God comes by and wants you to do something for him, moves you to quit something, moves you to do something, it can be positive or negative, but when the grace of God comes by and asks you to do it, you, you say, no, you're not getting any more grace to you say yes. My mother said, you're not going to get dessert to eat all on your plate, amen? That's good mother, by the way. So now what I do when we have a big, uh, big uh, you know, carrying thing, I go immediately to the dessert table. Because I know you folks. And you better get it quick. You ain't going to see it again. The grace of God. As the earth can produce nothing unless it is fertilized by the sun, so we can do nothing without the grace of God. I like the song that says, He giveth more grace when the burden grows greater. 
He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. He addeth affliction. He addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials is multiplied peace. God brings things into your life so that he has an opportunity to show his grace to you. How's God going to show his grace to me if nothing goes wrong? If everything goes right? But what happens, he allows things to go wrong so that you're dependent on him. And then you see yourself, you see him come in and deliver. And you go, glory to his grace. You have a little spell. I've had all kinds of physical sicknesses that God has raised me up from, apparently. And I am so thankful today of the grace of God. Not only that I was delivered, but the fact that I had it and in it. I learned something of who he was. Grace is available to all men. Grace is a gift. Grace responded to gives more grace. But let me go a little bit negative here. Number four, grace. You must know this about the grace of God. Grace can be resisted. Grace can be resisted. In Hebrews chapter 12, 15, it says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Thereby, because of it, many be defiled. If you'll submit to the grace of God, there's going to be many blessed in your life. You will bless a whole circle of people. It's kind of like when Paul was shipwrecked, he prayed for all of those that sailed with him, and God saved them all. I like that. When I, you know, one of my prayers is, God, save those who sail with me. Save those who sail with me, those who I bump in with, those who I know, those who I get to contact, those who I meet at the restaurant, those who I do business with. In my little world, I have just so many people that I touch. But, Lord, save those who I can influence and who I can touch. Save them. Oh, I like that. But if you get bitter, if you get angry, if you get, if you don't trust God anymore, it will do the same the other direction. The Bible says it'll defile many. It will hurt many. Second Peter three seventeen says. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. It's possible. It's possible to fall. It's possible to, instead of grow, retard, go the other way. Through grace, though grace is for all a gift and brings more if responded to, yet it can be squandered. Grace can be lost and squandered. I have posted up around the church here this statement by Barber. It says, he who has not felt what sin is in the Old Testament knows little of what grace is in the New. He who has not trembled in Moses and wept in David and wondered in Isaiah will rejoice little in Matthew and rest little with John. He who has not suffered under the law will scarcely hear the glad sound of the gospel. Now, the Bible is both Old and New Testaments for a reason. 
you'd first need to understand the law of God and the holiness of God and the wrath of God before you even think you need grace. The trouble with us, uh, Christianity today is out there, they're preaching grace, 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 grace to a bunch of people who don't even think they're bad, who don't even think that they have a problem with God, who don't even think that they've sinned against the holiness of God. They're just, there's a bunch of folks out there saying, oh, God loves you, God loves you, and he's died for you. All those words they say are true, but they're not the whole story. And my mother used to say a half-truth is a whole lie. You got to know the Old Testament. You got to know the God of Jehovah, God coming down from the mountain, brother, with fire and thunder and lightning and to the place where they said, stop, we can't endure this. Glory. Before you come and kneel at the cross and ask Jesus to forgive you and be your Savior. Amen. The grace of God. I hope you have it. Oh, dear one, beware. You feel the grace of God come by your heart. You feel his tender tug. You feel you hear his still, small voice. When you understand the Holy Spirit's pleadings, beware lest ye resist him. Oh, I hate to read the verses, but they're true. Second Peter 2.21, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Hebrews 10.28, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye that he be thought worthy who had trodden under foot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. What a privilege it is that God would come to you and want you and love you, uh, nonetheless to say to die for you and shed his blood for you. But what an insult it is for you to despise that, to, to be careless about it, to, to take it lightly. All I can say is you don't want to meet Jesus, but you will, having treated him that way. The grace of God is available to all men. The grace of God is a gift. The grace of God, grace responded to, gives more grace. Grace can be resisted. My last point is grace is only received by the humble. Two times in the New Testament, both in 1 Peter 5, 5, as well as James 4, 6, it says, God resisteth the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. You say, what is being humble? Well, the word in the Greek, I looked it up, it means to be humiliated in circumstances, disposition, to consider yourself base or cast down, to be of a low degree in your own mind. Now, you know, that's not natural. Most of us think better of ourselves than we actually are. How do I know that? If I take a picture of you or a video of you, that one of your first reactions is to say, I don't really look like that. I know where you're going with it. You're saying you don't look that bad. And then I tell you, you do. <laughs> hey, man. I remember the first time at Bob Jones University when we had preacher boys where they were teaching us how to preach and, and they videoed you and, and, and they videoed you in your first little sermon for that group and they put a piece of paper out to all of the, your peers so that they could write down some constructive 
criticism, them sweet souls. And I remember preaching the first time, but the, the, the little pieces of paper I got back and said, you know, you slobbered out of your mouth or all this other stuff, and, and you know, they were mean, them boys. They were mean. Was not nearly as mean as looking at the video. I looked at that and said, a plumber, perhaps electrician, maybe, but a preacher, never. Why? We have a natural higher opinion of ourselves and what's the reality of that? Humble people don't. Humble people think they're proud, however. Humble people think they're proud. They think they're arrogant. They think they're cocky. They think they're better than they are. You know, and, and, and a humble people doesn't, don't come up to you and say, well, I'm glad I'm humble. Do you believe you're what God wants you to be? Do you believe that you are the least, the less, the bottom of God's gifted people? Do you have big plans for your life, or are you just submitting your life to God? Humble people look to God for everything. Humble people realize how close they have come to going to hell. Humble people always wonder why God let them hear the gospel. They're not saying, hey, we're, I always get a kick out of these movie stars who say they, they believe in reincarnation. And it's funny that their reincarnation family tree goes back to some princess or royalty or, 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 or blue blood, right, man? Mine goes back to a junkyard dog that worshiped the stars and the moon as gods. I'm undeserving of the least of his favor. That's Paul's words. Paul says, I'm less than the least of all of them. And he just, by Paul, the way, Paul was really, if I may say, in, in education and knowledge and, and in understanding, he was the best of the best. But he, don't, he never says that. He says, no, not me. What's your opinion of yourself? You know, a lot of people won't come forward when the Holy Spirit comes and tugs on their heart to come up and, and make this an old-fashioned altar and bow on their knees because they say, oh, I'd never do that. You may never do that, but you may never know the grace of God either because He gives the grace to the broken and the contrite. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. If you've got pride that keeps you off your knees, now look, if you've got a physical infirmity, there was a time I had gout so bad I couldn't get on my knees anymore. Couldn't, with just that agony. But brother, as soon as God delivered me from that, I'm back on my knees. I count it a privilege to be able to get on my knees because God's let me have it again. Folks, when God comes by your house, how do you react? Well, I can get right with that at home and in private, but maybe God doesn't want you to get right with that at home and in private. Maybe God wants you to humble yourself. Maybe he wants you to humble yourself. Are you receiving the desire and power of God in your life? Are you, ba or, or huh. I saw, uh, I, I'll close with this. Pilgrim's Progress. I hope you've read it. Well, they had an illustration in Pilgrim's Progress of this holy angel. And he was, he was in, as, as, as you would want to pic, picture a holy angel in white 
with, with bright garments, you know, uh, gold, white clothing, and he had a crown, uh, a, oh man, a gold crown with all kinds of jewels on it, and he was holding it out like this. This is the angel. And then over here was this old guy dressed in rags and had a little stick, and, and there was a bunch of garbage on the floor, kind of little junk on the floor, and this guy was, this, this guy was a saint. He was, he was, and this guy, and the angel was offering to this guy a crown of immeasurable value. And this, this, this uh, potential saint here was down, and there was a bunch of little worthless junk on the floor, and he wouldn't so much as look up. He was so interested in trying to find some value out of that junk on the floor. Right in front of him is this angel saying, hey, you can have this crown. Look up. Look up! The Holy Spirit, through the Word of God and through His preachers, still today cries, Look up! Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And forget this junk, this worthless, temporal junk, and quit making it the center of your life and make Jesus the center of your life. And you'll receive the grace of God. The grace of God hath appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and justly, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. That's what we're doing today. Of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, help us today to understand some more of the grace of God. I'm not sure why you have me preach this. I mean, it's a great subject. I love it. Father, there's somebody I believe in this room that this was for, maybe more than one. I believe this is for them. This is their opportunity to respond to the grace of God one more time. In your love, you offer it. Father, if there be somebody in here today without the grace of God, do not know Christ, their personal Savior, and they feel that tug upon their heart, they know this is true. They don't even know why it's true, but they just know it's true because God's telling them right now it's true. Would you be willing to come? Humble yourself. Throw all the pride away. Throw all the reputation away. Throw all what people think away and come. That's why we have invitations here at the gospel. In a moment, we're going to stand up. We're going to ask you to move forward and just come out. People will let you by. You come out here and be a, a brother Boone will be down here. There'll be a lady here if, you, if it's a lady. Take you in a room in the back. Just discuss with you what God has moved upon you today. Maybe pray with you before you leave. Maybe you can make a decision today. All I can tell you is when God's there, move. When God's there, make a decision. Father, you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.